Hi, my name is MJ Antu and welcome to Zion Church. Our mission at Zion is to create spaces for God to dwell and for hearts to be transformed by the love of Jesus. This is why we meet in person every first and third Sunday of every month and online every second and fourth Sunday. You can find our times and locations by going to zionchurch.live. We do this because we believe there's something deeply powerful when we all gather together to lift up the name of Jesus, but also when we meet at homes, break bread, and watch church with our church community. We are creating spaces for God to dwell. If you're looking for a church community or are wanting to take your next steps in your life or feeling led to partner with the mission of Zion, there are two ways to do so. The first one, you can join the Zion launch team. As we continue to engage and serve our community both in person and online, we are needing people like you. Second, you can become a financial supporter. We understand that God has given richly towards us, so it is our privilege to give back to Him so that we can serve others. Every dollar you sow is used to better serve our community. If you're wanting to join the Zion launch team or become a financial supporter, you can go to zionchurch.live next. On behalf of our entire Zion family, we want to say thank you. All right, let's get ready to hear a powerful message from God today. Hi, I'm Paul Kleins. I'm a pastor in Houston, Texas, and I adore APOC and MJ. I've been friends of theirs for a long time and we had ministered together in Houston years ago. And ever since they've been in California, I've followed them with great affection and admiration for their commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and in planting Zion Church. I have loved over the past couple of years hearing the stories about how God is working and moving in your midst. I have a particular affection for Zion Church, not only because I love APOC and MJ and their girls so much, but also my own son, Hayden, um, was going to Biola, had been going to Biola for a while, and while there he is, had been a part of the Zion Church and still, even though he's back in Houston for a, a brief period of time, he still feels very much like he's a part of Zion and I know he can't wait to be back with you guys ag again soon. I'm grateful that APOC has honored me so much by giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. I'm standing here in the, in the chapel of Houston Trinity United Methodist Church. It's a place where I've been serving for this year and I'm thrilled to come to you today and offer the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the gospel has been around for a long time, since the very beginning of the church. And as long as it has been around, it is something that people have struggled to really capture well. There's always distortions of the gospel. And that's one of the reasons that we have the book in the New Testament called Galatians. It's actually the first letter of the New Testament. A lot of people are confused by that. They think, well, Matthew must be first because it's the first one in the New Testament. But actually, the book of Galatians, historians believe, is the oldest New Testament book. And this letter, written by the Apostle Paul, was written to address the issue of the gospel. Because in that day, in the earliest Christian churches, the gospel was being twisted and distorted to mean something it never was meant to mean. 
And so this letter of Galatians is a, an important, important letter for us to look at today as, it, as much as it was the day those Galatian Christians received it the, the very first time. Paul wrote this letter because people had been twisting the gospel message Paul wrote this letter to emphasize the importance of the gospel message. As a matter of fact, as Paul talks about the gospel, it becomes very clear that this is everything to Paul. It is the starting point of our faith. As a matter of fact, we cannot, no one can become a Christian without understanding and responding to the gospel. In other words, you don't become a Christian by going to church or having Christian parents or even having a great, Christ, a great Christian pastor like you do there at Zion. No, you become a Christian. The only way to become a Christian is by hearing and responding to the gospel message. It is a starting point of our faith. It's also the foundation of our faith. It, it's the gospel truth is what everything else, all of our other doctrines and theologies and beliefs that we have as Christians, is built on the foundation of the gospel. And so that foundation has to be strong. The gospel is the cornerstone of our faith. And like the cornerstone of a building, if that cornerstone is not strong, then the whole building can collapse. And so our understanding of the gospel itself must be strong because without it, our entire faith can collapse. Another thing about the gospel, it's not only the starting point, the foundation and the cornerstone of our faith. The gospel is the unchanging truth of our faith. In other words, the gospel doesn't change. What the gospel meant 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians is the same thing that it means today as this Paul stands in, in this church in Houston, Texas. The gospel is the same every place and in every time. There's no such thing as a Methodist gospel or a Baptist gospel or an Episcopalian gospel or an Eastern Orthodox gospel or a Roman Catholic gospel or a non -den. I could go on all day. There's only one gospel and it is the gospel that is essential to our faith. And when it is threatened or distorted or twisted, that becomes a great problem in the church and it becomes a great problem for believers because a distorted or twisted gospel, a watered down gospel or an added to gospel is not the gospel. And that distorted, twisted gospel, it can't help you, it can't strengthen you and it certainly can't save you. The Apostle Paul took very seriously the importance of the gospel message. As a matter of fact, in writing this letter to the church in Galatia, he, he used the harshest words he's used anywhere in any of his letters. As a matter of fact, the words he uses here in Galatians chapter 1 are the harshest words in the entire New Testament addressed to people who might twist, subtract from, or add to the gospel message. Listen to what Paul says in the beginning of Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. He says, I am amazed 
that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. I mean, Paul's not fooling around here. He is pronouncing a curse on anybody who would twist, distort, subtract from, or add to the gospel. For Paul, the gospel is everything. And here we are 2,000 years later, and people are still struggling with the very essence of the gospel. You visit a dozen, a hundred churches a day and ask, what is the gospel message? You get as many different answers as there are churches you visit. Look, we have to understand this, this truth of the gospel message is so essential and core to our faith. We as believers have to be clear about it. And it's not the gospel that this Paul preaches or the Paul that wrote Galatians preaches. It is the gospel that comes through Jesus Christ. Paul himself said, if I preach something other than that gospel, if an angel of heaven preaches something other than that gospel, may they be accursed. What is this gospel message? He expresses it so well in Galatians chapter 1 at the very beginning of his letter, just right out of the gate. This is what he says in verse 3 of chapter 1. He says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our, of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now let me break that down just a little bit. Because this word gospel is a word that has come to mean many different things to people over time. Just the word gospel itself. As a matter of fact, in our culture today, not just in the church, but even outside the church, if somebody says something, they, they, really, they want you to know they really mean it, they'll say, hey, this is the gospel truth. You can count on this. And so the gospel in modern culture has come to mean something that you can really believe in. Well, the gospel is something you can believe in, but it means more than just it's the truth. It is the content of the gospel message that makes it the gospel. Even in the church, we use this word different ways. Some people say that, you know, there's some, their favorite music is gospel music. And there's great gospel music out there. But then there's also a whole other genre of music that's called gospel songs. And you have to be pretty, you have to pay attention here because gospel music and gospel songs are not the same thing. And there's gospel churches and then there's full gospel churches and they're not the same thing. And people will say, hey, I've got a gospel message for you. But that gospel message may have nothing to do with the content of the gospel. Look, the gospel is what, what the gospel is today is what it was 2,000 years ago. We have to be so clear about this message. Otherwise, it can lead to what happened in the church in Galatia. It could lead to churches dividing 
arguing over these essential matters. Paul wants to put a stop to this divisiveness over the question of what is the gospel. The gospel, the word itself gospel is really not a English word. It's a transliteration of an ancient word. The New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. And gospel comes from a Greek word that was transliterated into Latin, then into Old English, and then the, the, the word we use today in our English language today is gospel, but it comes from a Greek word that doesn't sound anything like gospel. The Greek word is the Greek word euangelion, which I know is a mouthful, but it's really euangelion is really simply two Greek words mashed together. The first word is E-U, you, which is a Greek word for good. Like at a funeral, somebody might give a eulogy, which is a Greek for good word. E-U, you is a Greek word for good. And angelion is a Greek word for message or news or announcement. Like an angel is a messenger of God. Angelion means message, news, or announcement. And so you, Angelion, match those two words together and you have good news or a good message. And in the ancient world where we first came to understand the gospel message, the word euangelion, good news, wasn't a Christian word or a religious word at all. It really was like a royal announcement. It was a very particular kind of good news. Not just your run-of-the-day average good news like, hey, I didn't get a speeding ticket today. Or, hey, I didn't fall down a flight of stairs today. I mean, I suppose that's good news, but it's not really euangelion. This kind, it's a kind of royal announcement that would be reserved for a special type of good news. Often in the ancient world used when a, a nation or group of people had been conquered by another nation. And the conquering nation, the leader or king of the conquering nation would send his people out throughout the now conquered nation. The conquering nation would send an messengers out throughout the entire conquered nation, sometimes with trumpets, sometimes with gongs, and they would go to every village and city in the now conquered nation to announce, you on Gelion, you have a new king, and now you must submit to this new king. That was the euangelion, the royal announcement that there is a new king that we would submit to. In the, in the New Testament, the gospel is the announcement that there is a new king. Again, let me read again what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to rescue us from this present age, from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. The gospel is the announcement, the royal announcement, that God 
the King of all kings, has come. And not to conquer us, but He came to conquer sin. He gave His life. He died on the cross to deliver us from this present evil age. He died on the cross to free us from the curse of sin and invite us to live as citizens of His kingdom. Look, we know that from the very beginning of time, human beings in every, every age and every continent have always tried to conceive of God. As long as, as long as there have been human beings, there have been human beings who tried to understand God. And we've come up with all kinds of names for God and all different kinds of ways to understand God and all different kinds of religions that try to help us understand who God is and how we relate to God. But one thing that all religions throughout history have in common is that is one, the belief in some kind of God or divine being or a higher power or somebody who is out there, who is other than us, greater than us. And religion is an attempt to appease that God, an attempt to live in a certain way by how we live our lives, by the sacrifices we make, by the works that we do to somehow be made acceptable to God. That's how every religion in history works. Human beings trying to find a way to appease or make themselves acceptable to God. Christianity stands apart from every other religion in that it is not our human attempt to appease God or make ourselves acceptable to God. Christianity is the understanding that God is so holy and perfect that in a thousand lifetimes we can never make ourselves acceptable to Him. And so in His great love for us, He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, who was God and human, who came to earth and died on a cross, a sacrificial death, to make it so that we could be acceptable to God. Jesus did it, not by our hard work, not by our moral living, not by being more religious than the person next to us, not by begging and pleading our way into God's good grace. But the message of the gospel is that God sent His one and only Son to earth so that whosoever would believe in Him, put their faith and trust and confidence in Him, He gives us the right to be called children of God where we could live with Him in this world and the world to come forever. The gospel message is a royal Wonderful news that though we can never be acceptable to God in our own merit, He sent Jesus to earth to die on the cross to make us acceptable to Him. Not because we deserved it, but because He loves us so much. And He invites us, invites us to live as citizens of His kingdom. The message of the gospel is that God's love is as broad as every person in the universe. There is nobody, nobody who is outside the love of God. There's nothing that we can say or nothing that we can do that would put us outside of His love. 
But the gospel is not just that God loves you. The gospel is not just that God accepts you. The gospel is an invitation to receive the forgiveness that He came to offer and live as citizens of His kingdom. There are no strings attached to the gospel. But we must understand, it is an invitation to live as a citizen of His kingdom. It's not just an invitation to believe something and when you die, go to heaven. That's not the gospel. The gospel is and never was believe certain things about Jesus so that when you die, you go to heaven. And between then and now, live the best, most moral, religious life as you're able to. And pray to God and He'll bless you and hopefully make your life a little more comfortable and easy until you die and go to heaven. That's a, that's a terrible distortion of the gospel. It is not just simply believe the right things about Jesus, but it is to receive the forgiveness that God has offered through Jesus and live as citizens of His kingdom. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, it is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, the old me has died. And now the life I live in this life, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. The gospel is not just believe in God and go to heaven one day. The gospel is trust in the forgiveness that Jesus offers and live as citizens of his kingdom. Living as citizens of his kingdom has to do with renouncing our past life, crucifying, being done with our past life, and living in this life in a way that pleases God, living our lives in a way that we might be conformed to Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God, as Jesus talked about it in his own life, is is living dramatically, radically different than the world around us living with a kind of radical love and a radical forgiveness that the world rarely experiences. This kind of radical love and radical forgiveness, radical joy, radical peace, radical generosity, radical humility that is lived in this world so that the world might know Jesus. You know, there is, I read the other day a story about how Every year, the United Nations identifies one country that is the happiest nation on earth. They have this this metric that they use, these objective measures that they kind of gauge every 150 countries. They look at their, you know, things like their gross national product, their life expectancy, generosity, social services, all these different metrics they use, and they put them all on a computer and it spits out the happiest country on earth. And it came out just a few weeks ago. You know what the happiest country on earth is according to the United Nations Global Happiness Study is? Finland. Finland. It's the happiest nation on earth. Not only that, not only are they the happiest nation on earth, they've been the happiest nation on earth according to this survey for the past six years. I read that and I thought, man, I want to go to Finland. I mean, I was reading it and it sounds like a wonderful place to live. But here's the thing. I could never experience what it is that makes Finland the happiest place on earth just by flying over the nation. 
I could never experience what makes Finland the happiest nation on earth just by going there and visiting a few sites in Finland and staying for a few days. No, 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 no. The only way I could ever really experience what, is, what it is that makes Finland so happy and so wonderful is I have to become a citizen of Finland. I have to renounce my American citizenship, go to Finland and live there and begin learning the language, learning the, the, eating the food, understanding the rules of what it is to live in Finland. I have to become Finnish. And after a while, it won't happen in a moment, but over time, I believe it could become clear to me, oh, now I get it, why Finland is the happiest nation on earth. Well, I'm not going to Finland. I'm pretty happy where I am here in Texas, actually. But the kingdom of God, while not a nation defined by geographic boundaries and borders, is real. It was launched in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And the kingdom of God is a place of unlimited joy and peace and love. And it is forever. And Jesus wants every person to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. But the only way to be a citizen of God's kingdom is you have to be born in the kingdom of God. Or as Jesus described it, born again. The invitation of the gospel is to receive forgiveness of our sins and the opportunity, the invitation to live as a citizen of God's kingdom. Not by working hard to please God, but filled with the Spirit of God so that we might experience the greatest joy, the greatest peace, the greatest love there ever was. This is the gospel. It is to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and live as a citizen of His kingdom. And it is offered to you, dear friends at Zion Church, and to your friends and family and classmates and co-workers and everybody around you. God wants you and me and us together as followers of Jesus to announce the good news, to proclaim the good news, not so much with megaphones on street corners, but by living our lives every day, every moment, every decision, reflecting the values, the pursuits, the priorities of the kingdom of God. This is the gospel. God, the king of all kings, sent his son Jesus to earth to die on the cross so that we might be freed from the curse of sin inviting us to live as citizens of His kingdom. I pray that you discover the greatness of the kingdom of God by embracing this beautiful truth that is the gospel. This is our faith. I pray that you know Jesus more and live more for Him today, this coming week, than ever before. As citizens of His kingdom, God bless you.